opening lines for books are very, very important. I remember the first time encountering, it was the best of times, it was the worst times. Who is the author? Charles Dickens, the, the name of that novel? Tale of Two Cities, yes. Okay, um, one, uh, an opening line is, it was a dark and stormy night. You heard that one. That is an often mocked and parodied phrase by English novelist Edward Bulwer-Lytton in the opening sentence of his 1830 novel, Paul Clifford. Now, this is considered to be or to represent the archetypal example of florid, melodramatic style of fiction writing. It was picked up by the most famous cartoonist ever, who this year would have celebrated his 100th birthday where he's still alive. And you know I'm referring to Charles Schultz. And there is Snoopy on top, <laughs> on the roof of the doghouse with his portable Smith Corona typewriter going away. It was a dark and stormy night as he is going to write, you know, the great novel. Well, as a child, I remember every time would sit down and be, be read to in the fairy tale how it would always begin. Once upon a time. Well, a writer of a book, actually a biography of Jesus. This writer, his name was John, and he borrowed an opening line as well. In fact, the very opening line of this book, in the beginning. Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word, was the word. And when he says that, he is claiming that Jesus Christ and God are exact equivalences. As a matter of fact, you cannot separate them. Jesus and the Father are one with the Holy Spirit in the Holy Trinity. Jesus is God walking around in human flesh. Then Luke has an opening line too as he is writing a biography of Jesus. After his prequel, which is chapter one, comes the event, the main event. And it says, and it came to pass in those days. That's a whole lot more than saying once upon a time because this is not some kind of a fictional tale. And it is more than saying it was a dark and stormy night. What we have is not a masterpiece of fiction, but rather historical fact. We look at it once again, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. Here we have historical markers. We have documentation. It's anchored by uh, this uh, a tale or the, the story he is telling is anchored by historical reality. It is all a part of real history. Real names of real people such as Caesar Augustus. This is God acting in human history in such a way that had you been there and if you had your phone, you could have recorded the whole thing on a video. That's how real this whole thing is. God working on the stage of human history to do the most important thing, and that is to save a sinful and a lost humanity. 
What did he come to bring? He came to bring forgiveness of sins, the right to enter heaven. It is not simply God having a remote in his hand and uh, flicking it, you know, and changing the light from, from red to green so that we can enter in. It is God actually entering in, we might say, the whole process of salvation is God getting his hands very dirty. God didn't have to decide about whether or not he's going to open the gate. When he sent Jesus, the decision had already been made. As a matter of fact, even before the beginning of time, God knew what he was going to do and offer salvation to everyone. And so in that right time, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as the writer to the Hebrews says, then these days God has spoken to us by his son. It's speaking and acting. They come together to become literally one thing. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew language, there is a word, a term, dabar, which means both a word and an act. So that when God speaks a word, action follows. When God said, let there be light, there was light. And then it says that the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. God had spoken that universe into being. He breathed life into the people that he had created. And now he speaks and he acts in his son and from to, to change the first creation into a whole new creation through his word that came to dwell among us. God, yes, got his hands dirty. Think about the hands of Jesus. That little baby in the manger, those random motions reaching out, kind of helpless. And then when he grows up, those hands reaching to touch a leper and heal him. His hands became dirty because he touched what was unclean. And then think of Jesus reaching down into the dirt, just as God the Father had reached down into the dirt and he formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life. And so Jesus took dirt. He mixed it with that, but let's call it the salutary saliva. And he made a mud and he put it on a man's blind eyes, bringing about a recreation, restoring what sin had destroyed. And then hands that were reached up to bless bread and fish so that a multitude could be fed. Hands that touched little children and blessed them. Hands that embraced the brokenhearted and the penitent with divine forgiveness. Hands blessing bread and wine and through these gifts drawing the disciples and all who would follow in their footsteps in the faith, bestowing upon them life and joy and forgiveness and healing and restoration, his divine presence, his body and his blood, bestowing himself upon others that we too might become participants in the divine nature, renewed in the baptismal gifts of death and resurrection, going from sorrow and lostness into new life. His hands got dirty by his own blood as he was nailed to the cross. But in the baby Jesus, in that manger, we have planted and hidden away the seeds of those final divine events. Yes, hidden in the stable, but then revealed. His hands got dirty, or as the, the, the writer Max Lucado refers to it, 
deity in diapers. But this was done for us and for our salvation. Like those fourth century Nicene fathers confessed that the Son of God, that he, became down, he came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Mary, and was made man. A solemn moment in that creed. And one of the old traditions would be that when it would say, and was made man, everyone would bow their heads at those words because of the most profound act in all of human history. God getting his hands dirty, coming among us, becoming man. And as that man, he died for us on a cross, a cross that stood on a hill that he himself had made. When Luke writes the story, he gives us dates and persons and accounts because of all of this that had happened, Paul wrote to the Galatians that it happened at the fullness of time, just at the right time. Paul writes to the Romans that at the right moment, at the right time, God sent his son into the world. And the writer to the Hebrews again, in these last days, God has spoken by his son. This is the definitive word. What is the word about, the wor about that word? It is good news. It is good news. Isaiah said, our God reigns. It is not sin. It is not death. It is not guilt. It is not despair. It is not disease. It is not cancer. None of those reign, but Jesus Christ reigns. And God waited until history reached that appointed time. And then he sent Jesus in a time such as this. Caesar Augustus, yes, great uh, Emperor Octavian, who did so much to uh, consolidate the empire, a common language, transportation throughout all the parts so that people could travel throughout the, the, uh, the empire safely. As such a time as that, that God sent his son. Varied people would be converging in all those cultures together in a place that would attract the Magi from the east so that they could come and worship the Savior. And thus could be fulfilled what had been prophesied. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. At such a time as this, that God emptied his home in order that he might send his son into our homes. He did it so that we could be children. Yes, not pretend children, but real children with full rights so that he could not only be the God of judgment and the God of holiness and that we would stand in fear of him, but that he could be close to us and that the term that is revealed to us to call him father is Abba, which is the most intimate of terms for a father. It's daddy. He says, I want to be your daddy. And when the time was right, God sent his son into the world to be born into our world. And so that we would have also the opportunity not only to hear the, the judgment and the severity of the law that says we have sinned, but where we could hear the gospel, the good news, with all of his power and his comfort and its joy and its restoration, his sense of relief, I can be accepted by God. I have been. It would be just like the shepherds hearing on that field outside of Bethlehem. For to you, 
is born this day. And when the, when the shepherds or the, the angels said, for to you, specifically the audience they were addressing. And every time we come to the word of God and it says, for to you, there is a savior. That means you, you are the audience. You are the one who is intended to hear this good news. It presents to us that word made flesh, written and spoken word. Yes, flesh brought to us in the sacred signs of water and baptism, bread and wine in Holy Communion, bringing regeneration, body, blood, forgiveness, unbroken promises of everlasting life. He came in the fullness of time to dwell among us, to get his hands dirty. Yeah. At the right time, while we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us. When the time was right, the good news of great joy was announced to those shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Yes, they were afraid, but the angel said, don't be afraid because to you is born this day, not a judge, but a savior, Christ the Lord. Now the shepherds, humble ones, outcasts, the ones to whom the shepherds appeared, but you know, they became the first to hear, the first to worship, the first to tell. God had a record already of reaching out to shepherds. Did you know that Abraham was a shepherd? Did you know that Moses was a shepherd? Did you know that David was a shepherd? And did you know that Jesus is the good shepherd, the great shepherd? Says he will tend his flock like a shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He will lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. He will anoint my head with oil. He will restore my soul. Yes, and it says in Isaiah that he will tenderly carry the young. Shepherds, yeah, they were. They were outsiders, outcasts. They were the losers. Have you ever felt a bit on the outside? Have you ever felt a little bit like an outcast? You see, the shepherds are not the only outsiders. If you've ever felt like an outsider, join the crowd because even Jesus, <laughs> he was the ultimate outsider. Yeah, despised and rejected, says the prophet Isaiah. Or Micah talks about Bethlehem, Ephrathah, the least among the cities of Judah the least. And then there was Nathaniel, who later became a disciple of Jesus, when he heard that this Jesus had come from Nazareth, he said, what good can come out of Nazareth? And then there is Mary. She was an outcast too, close to the edge of rejection by her society. And she was rejected from the inn as she was about to give birth to a child sent to a stable. Rejection, yeah. But we are no longer rejects. Yeah, we may have times when we reject God, where we reject his offer of his grace in our lives, but he never, ever, ever rejects us. That separation that began in Eden, he's brought it together. He's brought that reconciliation. And he brings us to be the insiders into the, in the fullness of time. When our need was the greatest, that's when he sent his son into the world. While we were still sinners, he came as shepherd. The shepherd came to seek the lost, 
to find the lost, to save the lost, to bring home the lost, to heal the wounds of the lost, to restore them to the fold. No longer rejects outsiders, for to all who received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we too should be called children of God. That's what John wrote. And then he concludes it by saying, and that's exactly what we are. But God had to get his hands dirty to make that happen. Amen.